Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, look for moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we talk about when we talk about faith. Hey, Ed! Hey, Leslie! How's it going? <laughs> it's going well. How are you? I'm good. We're back. We had a fun-filled week. Um, the last podcast that went up was the wonderful conversation you had with Bill McKibben. Yeah, that's um, great. And then we had a really fabulous event here, all focused on eco-justice mm-hmm. and what we as a community and our broader community and broader um, world can do to make an impact, mm-hmm. which I felt both inspired by, challenged by, in yes. a good way, challenged to action um, and so I would really commend to our listeners to go back, check out that podcast if you haven't yet. Please we'll do. have a, um, a video. We filmed the event, so we'll have that out whenever the editor, pointing at myself, <laughs> whenever the editor gets her button gear. We're and, close to the source. Yes. <laughs> when she does it, when she edits it, and then it will be up. Um, but it was fabulous, I thought. It was great. And that will be another opportunity to uh, listen to Bill McKibben. Yes. And so he gave a wonderful keynote address and got us started. And uh, so good words. Uh, it's such a hard message to deliver from Bill's standpoint because obviously he doesn't want to discourage us from taking every action possible. Right. He also has to be completely transparent and honest with us about the challenges that we face and where mm-hmm. we are now and how climate change is advancing rapidly, maybe more rapidly than we thought. Yeah. And yet here's this person who halfway through his presentation said, you know, we're not without options. Yeah. You know, there are so many things that we can do about this. And that's great news, despite the hard news that he also delivers. And he just has that way of walking that very fine line. You know, and I appreciated how how he thread that needle because I feel like I needed to hear the tough news mm-hmm. and you, you get it bits and pieces here and there, but to hear such a, you know, someone who's been in this fight Mm -hmm. for so long, Mm -hmm. um, really give like a, you know, a state of the world. I found, I found helpful to get, put a dose of realism. And I I think I needed that personally. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and how to, you know, I think we had said a long time ago, you know, the thing the the way to, feel like you can make a difference and just, you know, to, to get over that feeling of, well, I'm just one person. Mm-hmm. We always say stop being one person, right? With so yep. many ways to um, bring a community together. And I feel like since we've had, you know, there was um, a friend, uh, Larry Rasmussen, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, since that event, you know, we've, we've created more and more opportunities and, and more and more potential as a community, mm-hmm. both locally and with our broader online community to make a difference. So I'm, I'm encouraged, but also I'm excited and energized for the steps we can take moving forward. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that it struck you that way and that you feel that way. And I think one of our, one of our challenges, uh, as Bill has also said, American individualism is such a strong feature of our national character at almost every level. Yeah. And um, so we, I think we understand that we're not going to have the kind of change we want for this and future generations unless we do that as a community. Yeah. But we're not great at community. We're not great at com- We were talking about this last week, mm-hmm. and I think it's a meeting, some staff meeting or something, uh, how how I feel like maybe, maybe it's a, a my generation thing, but we, like... 
that word, I think because of working here, we literally have community in the title, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> has helped uh, me find a new, we talk, I, I, I'm jumping all over, but I feel like we as a community tend to, we tend to redefine words a lot. Mm -hmm. We tend to find deeper meaning in certain, in certain words. And mm -hmm. I feel like the word community is one of those mm -hmm. that we have. Um, I'm finding a new depth in because I never, I think I associate it with like a very like 1950s suburbia <laughs> right, yeah. thing where like everybody goes to the country club <laughs> and it's so far from my, my identity that I'm like, I don't, I'm not, it's not, yeah. no, that's not me. Thank <laughs> right. you. So I've always felt sort of outside of that. You know? I, I think that's really helpful to hear because, uh, you know, when, when uh, couples come to me and they, they're planning their, not only their wedding, but they're thinking about their marriage, mm. my, I, what I've always said to people is that we carry with us an image of what marriage looks like in our heads yeah. that we've picked up over the years. Yeah. You know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and that's our image of marriage. And sometimes it takes a while for it to surface. And I think we're need, we need to do the same thing with community. Mm. We have an image of community in yeah. our heads that actually may not be very productive. It might be something we don't want any part of. Sure. And so we have to surface that to understand what's there, but then also to say that doesn't have to be, maybe that's not the most productive vision of community. And so let's figure out what it means. I love this like unspoken or unintentional assumptions mm -hmm. you carry or, it with or us. expectations. Right. I think mine involves a lot of casseroles. <laughs> I like casseroles. I do like casseroles. <laughs> we can bring that back if that's if that's your vibe. Um, but to me, that's very like a specific. It's probably being raised in the south is probably part of the problem. But like it's you know it's a very specific thing. But then I realize we are a community mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, and um, not to bring Sesame Street back, but to in fact bring Sesame Street. Bring back. it back. Um, they have this like in every episode of the season we're watching. I don't know. We watch on Max, so I don't know which is it. We've watched all of them at this point. Um, they do a song. They sing a song about community. Oh, I'm Being a sure. part of a community is cool. I'm here for you. You're here for me. That's what makes a community. I think these shows... It simplifies it. They're great, right? <laughs> and a lot of the shows that are quote-unquote designed for children carry this message better than a lot of the messages for adults. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, you know, there's that whole theory that Bluey, which is another children's show, it's a... a forgive me it's either australian or new zealand uh children's show is actually a show that's made for parents uh, but that kids can watch packaged yes because it is children. so yeah it's so like it just hits it hits deep <laughs> i love it it's great it's also very funny i love it yeah it's very fun um but it helps i think i think i've also you know i was like yes community it makes me think i watch sesame street and i genuinely do have deep thoughts <laughs> <laughs> which is nice during the day. You're only on your first go around. Just wait to your third or fourth. Wait You're going to be third picking up oh even more yeah. little nuggets of wisdom. Less from the Elmo's World segments, but those aren't for me. <laughs> those are definitely for Mary Byrne. She sits there and dances to the happy dance. So love it. What can you do? Um, but this, yeah, this idea of community, of banding together, of of joining our forces together. We're not always good at that, but I think there's a lot of potential here, and maybe that's an opportunity mm -hmm. then for us to find something something new in that. So speaking of banding together, mm -hmm. having opportunities for growth, for giving, for action, um, our, our theme for the month, mm -hmm. even though it's three quarters of the way through the month, <laughs> we get there eventually, uh, has been generosity mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. um, 
all of the various ways that that can be interpreted. Mm-hmm. So one part of the thing we're doing in worship is we're doing a hymn of the month. Um, and the way I interpreted it as is a, um, is generosity of hospitality mm-hmm. is is the giving and abundance of welcoming of a generosity of spirit generosity of open doors mm-hmm. um, was the angle i took um, but there's a lot of other ways that generosity can be expressed yeah. right yeah well i think what i'm learning as we go through this process is that you know if you take a look at the the stories of our tradition mm-hmm. I think you could ask of every single one of those stories, how does this display either the presence of generosity or the lack of it? Okay, interesting. That these that it's such a universal theme, and it's was woven into, I would suggest, every single one of the stories that Jesus told. Really? Yeah. And I would even go so far as to say, you know, his entire ministry was probably just infused with this desire to crack open those parts of our lives which can be very ungenerous, Mm. unforgiving, Mm -hmm. um, inhospitable, and to ask the question, on the one hand, why are we acting like that? Why have we narrowed down, you know, grace uh, to a a parameter that's more suited to our tastes? And, um, and then how can we move it in another direction? How, mm-hmm. how can we get unblocked? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we push through those creative, uh, the blocks to our creative power? So I think that's really what's going on there. I feel like that word open, mm-hmm. you said cracked open. I feel that openness is a key element of generosity. Right. You know, if you're, you're opening your heart, you're opening your spirit, you're sometimes opening your wallet, as simple as mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Um, but there's an openness, there's a outward there's an outward gesture yep of of either words or actions or what have you but that to me that's how i sort of visualize it you know because we can be very internal like you said sometimes we're very individualistic and Mm -hmm. very inward focused but as we as we turn ourselves we crack open and become more outward focused is that opening of spirit I agree. I, I think, it, yeah, that word is used frequently when we're talking about generosity, mm. openness. Mm-hmm. Not to use a tennis example here. But, oh, please do. But allow me to use a tennis example. I'll nod like I know what you're talking I, about. <laughs> I, was, um, I was hitting with uh, taking a lesson once, and someone said to me, uh, stop holding onto the racket so tightly. And I said, what do you mean what? holding onto the racket so tightly? I'm not holding it? onto the racket so tightly. <laughs> Don't tell me that. And they said, no, yeah, you are. And the reason why, uh, by the way, they said you are having elbow problems oh. is because you are holding out of the racket too tight. <laughs> White knuckled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said, how dare you <laughs> point out the truth to me? Uh, how insulting is that? And uh, so this person said, no, what you're going to do now is you are going to hold the racket so lightly, you're going to feel like it's going to fly out of your hand. Don't let it fly out of your hand, but, but hold it that lightly. Yeah. And when I did that, my entire, it all changed. It all felt right. It all felt great. And it felt uh, great. And by the way, my elbow pain went away. Hey. So the image that I use here is that there's this clenching that goes on, right? When we're uptight about, there, we also use that phrase, it's uptight. It's a great word. Yeah, right? uptight, yeah. And so those are not postures of generosity. No. 
right? Tend to not be. So it, it's interesting that a lot of our language around um, anxiety sometimes is, it's like bodily language, mm-hmm. right? You're, mm-hmm. you're too tight, you're uptight, you're clenched. And so opening is about unclenching our lives mm-hmm. and asking the question, okay, so let, let me be more liberal in my understanding here of what I have at my disposal. Mm-hmm. And now how can I ask, how can I be freer in my sharing of that? Mm-hmm. And that does require openness yeah. on almost every level, physically, yeah. spiritually, emotionally, yeah. financially, everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah. It's comprehensive. Can, can I title this 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 episode "Unclench Your Life"? Yes, you can. <laughs> Absolutely, you can. Okay, I have to do it now. It's gonna be. It's great. But there's something in that, and I was also thinking about much like exercise. It doesn't seem to be one of those things. Like sometimes it's tough to get to the point of doing, but then once you are in the action, doing the action, you you rarely regret it. Mm. Oh, isn't that, I mean, I think that is so true. There are times when we feel that we can't share, you know, yeah. we can't take that. We can, you know, we have to hold on to this thing. We right. can't let it go. Right. And then we find out that when we have let it go, um, it leads to such amazing joy. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think that over the years I've been a part of, I can't even tell you how many giving campaigns, you know, churches mm-hmm. are always doing their giving campaigns along yeah. with all nonprofits. It's just very much a part of our world. And, um, <laughs> a lot of times the, the byline, you know, will be, you know, th- this giving is going to make you feel good. And, mm-hmm. and it's true. Mm-hmm. It, it will, but it might make you feel bad before it feels <laughs> you feel good and we're almost never honest about that you yeah. know we just forget that there's like an intermediate step there yeah and i would compare it with the creative process so many people may be very creative but initially like i don't want to paint today yeah i don't want to write today i don't want to do any of that stuff today yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. somehow there has to be a way of pushing through um, what this one author, Stephen Pressfield, calls the resistance. Mm-hmm. And the resistance is there when it comes to generosity, too. Sure. Right? We feel resistance if we've been hurt. It may be a generous position to forgive, but we also don't naturally want to do that. Sure. Right? And someone asks us to make a contribution to a cause. We know that in the end that cause matters, but there might be resistance that says, oh, but, you know, can you really afford to do that? Mm -hmm. Do you really want to take a risk and give to that organization? You don't know a whole lot about them on and on and on. Right, 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 right. So I think the creative effort and the effort towards being more giving uh, and present in other people's lives, they're very much the same. Sure. And we have to face the fact that there there's resistance to it for so many different reasons. Yeah. And we have to treat the resistance the same, which is to find a way to push through it to get to where we want to be. Yeah. I always I thought it was so cool. Um, our friend uh, Dan, he had for his kids three boxes mm-hmm. as they were growing up. It was like three little like piggy banks, if you will. Mm. One was uh, save. One was oh. spend mm-hmm. and one was give mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. when the kids would make some, a little bit of money doing chores or whatever they're doing, they would have to divide it up. Yep. I think, I think evenly between the three boxes mm-hmm. so that it's a great every dollar is not just, you know, mm-hmm. for spending on whatever mm-hmm. it is. There's an intentionality of saving, which is a good lesson, a great lesson to learn on having some for fun or for whatever you need and then having some for giving. And that is 
right up there in the priority levels of your financial um, tasks. I love it. Isn't that cool? It's a wonderful example. I'm going to get Mary Bear one. Absolutely. I yep. Like It'll be cool. one of the greatest things you can do for her. I think so. So if I can, I'm going to try to pull together a couple of wild, wildly different thoughts here. But yeah. so we live in a culture which, of course, wants us to be, in one sense, endlessly dissatisfied. Oh, yeah. Right. So that we will always be reaching out to bring something into our lives. Yeah. Right. So and then we get that and we feel good for a little while. But then that kind of polish wears off and then we're looking for something else the next shiny object whatever that might be you know we live in and that's why we're bombarded with thousands of advertising messages right all throughout the course of a given week mm -hmm. so i think what's happened in some ways is that this natural inclination to be giving and as you say the, the very real possibility of teaching it from mm -hmm. a very early age can be displaced because from a cultural standpoint, that's not how we've set things up. You know, right. we're, con we're seen as consumers mm -hmm. more than we are seen as givers and especially as generous givers. Yeah. And I think that, um, the, the real damage that we do to ourselves is that not only is it inherently dissatisfying to continue to reach out, to bring more things into our lives, mm -hmm. but we cheat ourselves because generosity is truly, even if we have to move through resistance to get there, mm -hmm. it's good for the heart. Sure. We know this to be true. Yeah. We know that people who practice generosity in a lot of different kinds of ways, and that can be through personal attentiveness to other people, mm -hmm. involvement in a cause, financial support for an institution, that they've received the benefit of that physically right. in terms of their heart health. Right. In terms of, and it just in, in, in addition to their overall outlook, right, on yeah. life. So I think one of the great things that we can do is to, is to choose ways to encourage the next generation to come along mm -hmm. and really rediscover that. And I guess the last little thing I'll say about this, Alan Payton, who is from South Africa, lived there um, many years ago, wrote a, a novel which became quite famous called Cry the Beloved Country. Mm. And so this was one of the famous stories that came out of South Africa and I think started to bring people's attention to apartheid many, many years ago. And he was very committed to um, also a spiritual way of life, personally. And he, his wife died. They had been married for many, many years. And he wrote a, an autobiography, and he included a section in that about what happened to him after his wife's death, which was that he just entered this very, very deep sense of depression. Mm -hmm. And what saved him, he said, was rediscovering service. Mm -hmm. It was reaching out to other people, which is, of course, a f basic form of generosity. And even though he felt that his own inward life at that point was about as empty as empty could be, gradually he felt life coming back into his body mm -hmm. and into his future in a way that had been lost for him. And I've just, that, that story, I think he told that in a book called Instrument of Thy Peace. I think that's the name of the autobiography. He told that story and I just remembered that because I've heard that exact story so many times over the years from people in my congregations mm -hmm. who said, I've had this loss in my life, but I discovered a new way of living because I became more generous. Sure. So it's so important to our health and to that spirit of community in every possible way. Yeah, I mean, that ability to open, find, find, find ways to, to pour out word makes me think of, I know a number of, of 
of women who have gone through a loss of a spouse mm-hmm. and have gotten a dog. Mm-hmm. And on a on a micro level, that is that is finding an out, up outpouring. Mm-hmm. That is finding something to to give and care for to and be generous to be too. generous to and uh, like on a micro level, and then just expanding that mm-hmm. beyond. But as a small act of healing, it makes me think of that. Yeah, I ha- I have to say, I was thinking when you were discussing the the way in which we as a society t- taught to be dissatisfied. An illustration of that. Is, so we recently moved further out into upper Connecticut, um, where there's a little more, uh, not, I mean, it's not rural. It's, we're not going to pretend it's rural, but it's <laughs> you know, the country. Um, but they are building two monster storage places mm. and it drives me bonkers because <laughs> it just, it just feels gross. You know, and this, I, I come from a family where we've, like everybody's always had one and there's cause of, like a lot of like family heirlooms and nobody knows what to do with them and nobody, everyone feels bad them giving them away, but we can't use them. And so like, you know, it's been a whole thing, but it just feels gross. And, but at the same time, I'm receiving daily emails about how this coat will save, you know, the sweater and make you feel better and this sale and this sale and this sale. It's like, I get a high, it's like 300 emails a day. Sure. Like sure we do. And I keep uh, subscribing and it doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> no, there's always another group to replace the ones that were, you know, yeah. dispensed with. In the first. And, and of course, they're just, if we listen carefully to the language, they're so full of promises. <laughs> they are. You know, it's all about promising something. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, so we're, we're living at a time when, the you know, supposedly the mainline church is like shrinking yes. daily. Yes. And um, I think one of the reasons that the church has declined over the past half century is that we've actually expected less from one another. Oh. So what we, what we were told to do back in the late 70s, 80s, 90s was to create a church that was built around people's needs. Mm-hmm. Well, lo and behold, we, we did that. And you know what? People may have responded to that initially. Mm-hmm. But in the long term, it didn't hold them. Mm. Um, so, you know, building building a church rather around people's power, around their gifts, around their hopes and around their dreams, that's a higher expectation church, but it would be a church worth going to. Yeah, that's so interesting because I feel like we're, we're getting this data, speaking of giving campaigns, that people want to give to a specific thing. They mm-hmm. want to know that they're making an impact yep. and they want to see it, which I completely understand. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that we reorient ourselves to that impact, and I feel like we've kind of been doing that, but you know, we can always do better. Mm-hmm. Um, but to that specific impact over and over again, I think is, is such a, it's such a different way to look at it mm-hmm. and to be intentional about looking at it that way. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I think uh, just on a personal basis, it, it changed my thinking about giving when we added solar panels mm-hmm. to the, our campus because I felt like now we were doing something that was generally for the next generation. Mm-hmm. We were taking less um, from you know non-renewable resources, mm-hmm. and now we were relying, our, as Bill McKibben says, by pointing a sheet of glass at the sun. That's great. <laughs> I love it. It sounds so simple when he puts right? it that way. Exactly. We were now suddenly befriending solar power, right. but I thought, 
I want, you know, I want to support this even more than I've been supporting it. Right. You know, I want to be part of what's happening here because of the of of what that can mean. And then that becomes a wonderful teaching opportunity for the next generation mm -hmm. who've got their three little boxes. They have three boxes. They're ready right? to go. And um, so then generosity gets changed by purpose. It gets mm -hmm. affected by the purpose that we have. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's also another, you know, we, we hear that giving levels have been down in institutionally and across the board on nonprofits, but maybe that's because, again, people are just feeling a kind of a, maybe a little bit of a loss of confidence in institutions that's been happening. Sure. But, um, you know, it's, it's really at this time where we can start to rediscover the power of institutions and mm. the power of community and our world is going to be healed by that kind mm -hmm. of collaboration. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, to me, that's a great way to think about how generosity can be the energy that drives us into the future. I love that. And I love that it feels like, you know, last month we were discussing imagination mm -hmm. and now we're imagining what generosity right. yep. can look like. Thank you. I got a smile at him for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Big smile. Yes. 10 um, out of 10. This cumulative quality to our mm -hmm. What Matters Most series. Mm -hmm. um, and we are grateful to you for joining us mm -hmm. for uh, another episode of Roundtail Radio. We're so glad to, to welcome you in. We uh, publish every week. So we will see you back here next week. Roundtail Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Roundtail Community Church. For more information, please visit roundtailradio.org. 